Usually at Mother's Day, uh, in the past, I have looked at Scripture, and there, there is many, many examples of, um, of women that God used in extraordinary ways uh, in Scripture, and I've tried to look at those women in those lives and, and pull messages that would, um, that would encourage us and, and model for us those characteristics. Women like Deborah, who was a judge in Israel and, and helped lead Israel and, as they faced their enemies. Queen Esther, who her uncle Mordecai said would say to her, uh, who knows but what God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that would later become one of the themes of our missions conference. So for such a time as this, the superwoman of Proverbs 31, the supermom, uh, and the, the things that we learn from that. Mary and Martha, the two sisters in Bethany. And so I've, I've looked at, at, at those different things. It was, it was quite a surprise to me several days ago uh, in thinking about and praying about what, I, uh, what I would, the Lord would have me to share uh, this Mother's Day. To, uh, and I, and I, I focused in on Mary, the mother of Jesus, and I, and I realized I don't think I've ever preached a message on Mary, the mother of Jesus. And um, that kind of surprised me. Now, so I've, I've read in Scripture, Luke and Matthew and other places, and, and began studying her life. And I'm convinced that uh, in Mary's life and out of her, what Scripture tells us about us, there are things there that are beneficial to all moms of all ages and of all situations, and not just to moms, but for all uh, all followers of Christ, that there are, that there are takeaways that that we need to look at and need to ask the Holy, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to how are we doing in those areas of our life? Areas about trusting God, areas about knowing God's word and and believing God's word on grace, on humility, on sacrifice, and on submission. Wow! As I looked at those things. I thought, man, Lord, I got really excited. So for the next 10 or 15 minutes, I want you to just zero in with me, and we're going to be pulling scripture primarily from Luke 1. That's where I ask you to, to, to join me as we look at Mary. Now, in thinking about this, uh, one of the reasons when we think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, it seems that the church is not just not this particular church, but it seems like that religions maybe go to one extreme or the other. There are those uh, unbiblical, what I feel like are unbiblical views of, of Mary. One, um, some say that Mary is a mediator uh, for us to God. But 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says very clearly that there's, there's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. He is our mediator. He's our go-between. Some say that uh, hold Mary and say that, that Mary is to be revered and honored because that she was sinless. However, when we look in Luke chapter one, as Mary is responding to God's interaction with her through the angel Gabriel in verse 47, she, uh, she, she says, my, uh, my spirit re has rejoiced in God, my savior. So she realized uh, a, a sinner needs a savior. And Mary, uh, there's only one sinless person that's ever lived and scripture tells us that was the babe that was born to her the Jesus, Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life uh, so he could be God's sacrifice a perfect lamb for our sins then there are those 
teachings that would say that Mary was a perpetual virgin, and they want to pray to, to the Virgin Mary and say that she, that she was a perpetual virgin. There's a couple of scriptures, one in, in Luke chapter, I mean, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24 and 25 of the New Living Translation. Kind of tells it like this. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Other scriptures in Matthew chapter 13, verse 35 and 36. And when Jesus had, was beginning his ministry, then some people around said, is, not, is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother called Mary? And his brothers, James, uh, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? So it became biblically, scripturally, we know that Mary and Joseph had other sons and daughters. So the, the teaching that Mary was a perpetual virgin is unbiblical. The teaching that she was sinless is unbiblical. The teaching that she is a mediator between God and man is unbiblical. The, so there are those that I feel put at another extreme. There are those others that fear to say anything about her because of how she has been misrepresented in those areas that I feel like aren't biblical. So what is a, a balanced biblical perspective? And that's what I hope we get this morning as we look at scripture and come away with because I think that Mary is to be, uh, she, she found favor with the Lord. And God chose her. That's where we're going to pick up with this. And I think there's, there's at least three or four takeaways that I want us to, to get in our mind from, as we look at this, at this tremendous ordinary girl uh, that God used in extraordinary ways. As we pick up with this, and I, I will not read, the, because of time, I will not read the, the scriptures in Luke chapter 1 from verse 26 through, through actually through a lot more of the chapter. We're going to kind of pick up on it. We're, and you know the story of where Gabriel has appeared to, to, to Mary now. And Gabriel has, has appeared to her in verse 26. Uh, says in the sixth month, uh, Gabriel was sent from God to Galilee, city, uh, to Nazareth, to a virgin who was engaged to a carpenter boy there named Joseph, and the, and the angel came in verse 28 and 29 and 30, and he says, Mary, full of grace and truth, God's, you found favor with God, and God has chosen you. And then the angel said, God has chosen you to be the mother of the promised one, of the Messiah, of the Son of God. And Mary has these, um, these questions of, how, how, you know, how's that going to happen? I'm a virgin, you know, I'm a virgin, God knows that. How's that going to be? And then the, the angel says, this is going to be God's son, Mary. It's a, it's a supernatural, uh, it's a miracle that God is doing. And when we see Mary's response in verse 37, the angel is saying, Mary is reminding Mary, Mary with God, nothing is impossible. And then Mary responds in verse 38 and says, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Now, other translations have a different word there instead of handmade. What's the other translations got? <clears throat> I am the Lord's servant. Other translation. I am the bond slave. Listen to this. What Mary is saying, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. She says, I'm your bond slave. I'm your servant. 
Be it unto me according to your word. So the first thing I want to point out from that, just as we look at Mary's life, and, she, and commentaries vary. Some say she had Mary possibly as young as 13 at this point, but almost everyone agrees that she was a young, she would have been a young teenage girl, young. And when Mary, is, as we see this submission, um, and, and I read a lot of, a lot of uh, sermons, W.A. Criswell, for, gone home to be the Lord pastor in, in Dallas, Texas for a long time, and, and other sermons, and one of the sermons, and I can't remember who to give credit to, but they call this submission of Mary's to God's will, they called it a contented yielding to God's will. I thought about that. Wow. As a young girl, as a young teenager, to say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. You do with me what you want to do. And I thought, I want, I want to be able, I want, I want that kind of submission. I want to be able to say that to God. Someone uh, since a couple, three or four weeks ago when, when I kind of shared that, that I'm Lord willing and a couple of years I'll step back as, as pastor here. Somebody said, so you're going to retire and do what you want to do. And I, and I thought about that. And, and, and quickly, I, I kind of felt guilty because I, 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 my thing was, I can, yeah, I'm going to retire. I'm going to, I'm going to fish a lot more and I'm going to garden a lot more. And, uh, and then somebody said, well, you can retire and do what Barbie's been wanting you to do now. You can kind of get to work on her list. And, and I thought about, Lord, you know what? I don't want to ever get to a place in my life where I think about now I can step back I can kick back and, and I'll, I, I've got it from here on and I'll call you if I need you. Wow. I want to I I have Mary's attitude of saying, Lord, I'm yours. Use me. Was love it. Seth and I were just talking. He's piking it and liking it now, working with Pike Construction Company. And, and right now, the men and the people he works with is, are his mission field. And wherever we, as, as uh, I think Nathan talked about last Sunday, and boy, I heard good reports of young Nate over preaching last Sunday, but he was talking about the in, being intentional as we represent the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, we look at this submission to the Lord and to, his, to his, uh, his will in our lives, and I think that's what I want. And not only do we see this in Mary here as she is uh, yielding to, to what the angels saying to her, but we see it even following through and those circumstances that take place in her life, life pretty quickly. Uh, angels gonna appear to, to, to Joseph, you know that. I mean, I mean it, it was a big deal, I think, for Mary to say, Lord, I'm yours. Do what you want to. Realizing, realize what she was laying, what she was sacrificing, okay? Young teenager, engaged. And she was laying that engagement on the line. She lived in a culture where for her to be, she was engaged, but for her to be unmarried and pregnant, legally and rightfully easily, she could have been stoned to death. She was in a culture where now she goes as a young virgin engaged to Joseph, and they're in this year of, of engagement period and all these plans and preparations, and she knows that if she goes to Joseph and says to him, I'm, hey, Joseph, I, I love you, babe, but I'm I'm, I'm I'm pregnant. That Joseph could easily say, 
that's not my child. This pregnant, this, this engagement, this wedding is off. It's all over. Matter of fact, scripture tells us that that was Joseph's thinking. When Mary first approached him with the news, his, he, he was thinking of putting her away privately. He didn't want to dis, disgrace her. He didn't want to do it publicly, but the wedding was off and he was trying to figure out a way to do that and save her life and save and, and get her quietly sent away. And the angel appears to him there in Matthew and the angel said, Joseph, this child is of me. Mary was willing to sacrifice and lay all this on the line. And we can learn that. We can learn powerful lessons of being willing to sacrifice. Not only her willingness to, to submit, in that submission, she, she approaches Joseph. God's already spoke to Joseph now in a dream. And Joseph says, okay, you know, but uh, he goes, he marries Mary. And he says, We're, we need to go to Bethlehem to pay taxes. And I want you to come along. Now, Mary, young teenager, first child, nine months pregnant. And Joseph didn't say, hey, I'm going to borrow one of the neighbor's cars. It rides a lot better than ours. I know, you're, I know it's going to be a rough trip for you being nine months pregnant. I imagine Joseph goes out back and he looks at the donkey. I don't know what he called the donkey. His name is, but he's got a donkey there. And he pats that donkey on the rump and he says, Mary, we can make it. Mary's thinking, yeah, we can make it. I'm nine months pregnant. He said, I'll give you the donkey most of the time. <laughs> Mary submits and submits to him. They go to Bethlehem, pay the taxes. And then there, in fulfillment of prophecy, Jesus is born. There, after the birth of Jesus, the shepherds, the wise men, the things that happen, soon there's word that the king now is going to destroy all the male babies. He's put out a decree. And Joseph says to Mary, Mary, we're going to Egypt. Okay. So to Egypt she goes. I thought about this with all you. Moving is tough stuff. Some of y'all are building homes. Some of you have just moved, you know, and all that goes with that. Well, here are the 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 the, the um, uh, flexibility. I don't know if that's the right word or not. But all the opportunities to grow in this early marriage. Now with uh, this with this new baby, they move to Egypt. And they're in Egypt, and I don't know if, if when other brothers and sisters started being born to them, possibly even in Egypt, but there in Egypt they live. And there Mary, a very real mother to a very real son, Jesus. She felt all the, I don't know if it's morning sickness, but all the things that goes on. Lord, man, we, right? If you've been married and you've lived with a wife, you know stuff happens. They change. And they say it's hormonally, you know? But I'm, I'm telling you, one minute, they're, one minute they're happy, and the next minute they're crying, and whatever it is, it's your fault. <laughs> and, and then, and you know, and you pray for the birth. Lord, just let this baby be born, let it be healthy, let my wife be okay, and things get back to normal. And it ain't happening that way. I don't know what they called it in, in Luke. They, now they call it, what is it, postpartum? They have a postpartum is that a syndrome. Blues. Postpartum. postpartum. All I know is that after the baby's born, I don't solve it. You know? And so Mary went through all that. Mary experienced real physical labor pains when this baby was born. Mary was there. Mary was there to burp this real baby Jesus after she nursed him. She was there when he would cry, when he would run a fever in the middle of the night to comfort him, to soothe him, to kiss him. They moved to Egypt. 
She was there when he falls and skins his knees or when he comes crying to her because something's happened. And she was there in a very real way to soothe him. And then they get word that the kings that's looking to, to kill him back in Israel has died. And Joseph says to Mary, Mary, we're going back to Israel, up to Galilee. And Mary says, okay. Now, look at this submission. And the thing about it is, I looked at this and I thought, Mary, you could have pulled rank on him, man. I mean, it would have been easy to have said, if I'm, if I'm very easy to have said, Joseph, the angel, and how did you tell me the angel appeared to you that we're going to, to Egypt? In a dream, that's right. And Joseph, how did the angel appear to you tell you, Mary? In a dream. And she could have said, Joseph, that angel, while you were dreaming, big boy, that angel appeared to me and I was wide awake and we talked. <laughs> you know, she could, have, she could have said that and he can talk to me. But this submission, not only to her husband, but the submission ultimately was a submission to God. And his will, and the willingness to sacrifice to lay it all on the line. Isn't that what what we want in our lives? Whether you're a mom, or whether you're a follower of God, I think it is. And then the third thing I want us to know, to notice and look look at this with Egypt, was her knowing and trusting God's word. Uh, The song they sang this morning, and of course I'm thinking about this message, as the angel appeared to, to Mary and he told her all this and he said to her, by the way, Mary, uh, this is a lot to, 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 to take. You may want some confirmation of this. Now, if I'm Mary, I'm saying, you better believe I'd, I'd like it. He says, you remember your cousin Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah? Zachariah was a priest. They were up in years. And he could have said, you remember your, your, your cousin Elizabeth? She is, she's, she's as old as Barbie. They're as old as Barbie and Jerry are now. They're past having kids and never could have them. But Elizabeth... I shouldn't have used that analogy. <laughs> I should have just used no names on that. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. And she, she, she said, Elizabeth, who's past having the age of having kids, Elizabeth's pregnant. And now, matter of fact, she is six months pregnant. And so Mary, uh, Mary goes uh, and, and, and quickly, she goes down south to, to see Elizabeth. And, and when uh, she enters the house, Mary, Elizabeth heard Mary. And when she heard Mary speak, uh, the, John the Baptist is in Elizabeth's womb. And John the Baptist, the baby, uh, six or seven months old at this point in the womb. And this baby begins doing didos, right? He, the scripture says he, he leaped in her womb. That's kind of like doing little somersault things. He leaps in her womb. And, and uh, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she says under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, blessed Mary are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why, why, what to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. I... When I read this, I, I think about those of you that have been blessed to, to be pregnant and be a part of the House of Prayer Church family. I can remember when, when uh, Barbara was carrying our two children that, that oftentimes on Sunday morning, when the, when the choir would get in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and they would be jamming, I, if, if, that, if that's too wild for you, just, just, just say when, when the Lord was really on them. But they were jamming out and they were worshiping the Lord. Uh, a lot of times the baby. 
Barbie would say, look at this, look at this. And, and her, her, her tummy, that baby's kicking, that baby's hearing that. Now I've tried singing to the baby and they moved. <laughs> they moved. But here the Holy Spirit is, is John, John in the womb. Here's the mother, here's Mary, and this baby leaps for joy. And then Elizabeth responds to this. And it's in, in, in Mary's response now to Elizabeth, and Mary's just overwhelmed. She's, the baby Jesus is already in her womb. He's growing. Uh, that's confirmation of what Elizabeth told her. And now Mary's there. And then Mary's response in, in uh, Luke 1, and I'm going to pick up at verse 46 and I call it Mary's song. I, I, I think it, I don't know, I don't know if there's a Latin thing or an opera thing. It's, some, it's called the Magnificent. Is that what it is? Mag, mag, huh? Magnificent. Uh, but it's her, it's her response. And, I, and I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to just read a little bit because it's powerful. Verse 46, Luke 1. And Mary says, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit is rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth shall all generations call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And as we and go on, then we could go down for a couple, three verses. But in this song, Mary almost completely, but, but mostly, is, is singing. Old Testament scripture. She's singing the prophecies. She's singing the words of God to the prophets of the Old Testament about the promises of the coming of the Messiah. She knew God's word. As a young teenage girl, she knew God's word. That's one thing I love about Jeff and Sarah and their ministry to the teens and the youth of our church and of the community is one of, the, one of the burdens of the heart is get God's word into the hearts and minds of the teens and of the kids. God's word will do work, man. It'll do the trick. And so Mary knew God's word. How did she know that? Because she had been taught that as a young teenager. And she knows God's word. She trusts God's word. And what an what a important lesson that is to us. She submission to the will of God and she's willing to sacrifice to lay it all down for God to use her. I need to finish with one more thing before we honor our moms. And this is, uh, this is something that, that's, that's not just to moms, but again to all Christians. But seems like to moms especially, and that's faithfulness. Faithfulness. Uh, I mean, uh, we look at this... Uh, Literally, when I read this, I thought about this. I thought about the song that the choir sings, uh, Christmas song, From the Cradle to the Cross. I love that. Because we, we, you know, we have this Jesus was born to die. He was born to be God's sinless sacrifice for our sins. But, but there's, there was another person that was there for this journey. That was, that was the mom. From, see, motherhood don't start at birth it starts with conception. And so here Mary, from the time the angel said, Mary, this is what God wants to do. And from the time she says, I'm your bond slave. Whatever you want to do with me is okay. Because I belong to you. And that submissiveness, that yielding, that trusting 
and that faithfulness. From the, from the time she took baby Jesus to the temple to dedicate him, and remember Simeon, the old, remember Anna and Simeon, older, older woman, older man, and Simeon takes the baby and takes him up his arms and, and blesses and says, this is the one that was promised, and, and he's, he's been born to die for, his, for, the, for the people, and he looks to Mary, and he says, and, and Mary, a, a sword is gonna pierce your soul also. And Mary was there. Mary was there. Other kids, other responsibilities that she took care of, but she always seemed to find the time and a way to be involved in the ministry of her Lord and of her son. And there on the cross, there on the cross, what, what do we see in John chapter 19? We see his mom. His mom. And I've thought about John 19, uh, verse 26 and 27. When Jesus therefore saw, and it's the third saying, if you're doing the sayings from the cross, Jesus therefore saw his mother and disciples standing by whom he loved. He said to his mom, mom, behold your son. Woman, behold your son. And then to John, he said, behold your mom. And from that hour, John assumed responsibility. Now, think about this. Think about this. Jesus came into the world on this rescue mission to redeem mankind, fallen mankind, and he did. But at the same time, Jesus was the older, he was the firstborn, he was the eldest son in this Jewish family. And as such, he would have responsibilities to the family. And think about all this time and what he says, what this says to me from the cross is all this time Jesus has honored and he is, he is not forgotten, he has not abdicated, is that the right word? He has not abandoned that. He has not, he has not realized, oh, this is so great I haven't got time to fool with that. And even there on the cross, what a, what a powerful honor to say to his mom, John's going John's to take, take care of you. You don't have to worry, mom. And, and, and I'm thinking, everything within Mary, everything within Mary had to be screaming and crying out. Don't, don't do that. He really is God's son. He really is. He's never hurt anyone. He's never done anything wrong. Why are you, why are you executing him? Why are you putting to death the most horrible way you can put a criminal to death? Why? Don't do that. That's got to be screaming from within her. Don't do that. See her son executed this way, knowing that he didn't do anything they accused him of doing? And he dies? But then we, it must have been something else when Mary received the news that Easter morning that the stone was, the tomb was empty. There was not there and, there were, and then Jesus was alive and showing himself. And all the, the, all the grief, all the heartbroken, all of that is now in joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And I was thinking about that and I thought, I, right now I'm doing some, they got three weddings that's coming up pretty quickly. It's that month of love and, and all that season, you know. Uh, one of the things that I tell in premarital counseling, that I, that I really, I say, listen, you, you probably need to take this, this cliche and erase it. I told you so. That never works well. 
that I have found out. But there's something within me that thinks that that third day morning when the tomb was empty, when everybody seemed to be in chaos and the report came back that he was alive, that Mary said, I told you, I told you he was who he said he was. You wouldn't listen. Now you know. I knew all the time. This mom, this mom, boy, what we learn from her of faithfulness, what we learn from her of sacrifice, of trusting and knowing God's word and trusting his word, and what we know of her of submitting, contented yielding to the will of God in her lives. I think it'll do, think on, okay? I think it'll do to say, Lord, wow. All from, and we see her from a young teenager engaged to the cross and the tomb. Older, quite a bit older, right? Probably, I don't know. In her, Jesus in his early 30s, I don't know. She's probably in his 40s, 50s, I don't know. But we see her, and when we see her and when we look at her, I think we see that faithfulness. I think we see not somebody to be worshipped, but we see somebody to be honored because of their faithful walk with the Lord. And we too, as Ed said, as other examples among us say, let's remain faithful and hear him say, well done good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this example of a mom who loves you and who in her love for you models so effectively and efficiently that sacrifice, that faith, that trust, that surrender that you want to be a part of each of your followers. Now, Lord, forgive us where we failed. Forgive us where we've been diligent in that. And, Lord, if there's those this morning here that have never trusted you, Lord, there'd be another, no better gift could they give to their mom than a gift of knowing that their son or daughter has given their life to the Lord and said to him, I'm yours completely. I'm yours completely. Lord, you give us eternal life as we come to you in submission and yielding. You be glorified in Christ, I pray.